Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you today by the Open to Hope Foundation in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. We have a great show for you today, and we're going to have a wonderful guest on, and her name's Suki Forbes, and she is a bereaved parent. Heidi, you want to tell us a little bit more about Suki? Sure, I'd love to, Mom. And we are going to talk today about finding hope after loss and how you can not only survive after the death of the child, but you can eventually go on to thrive. And our guest today certainly has, and her name, as my mom said, is Suki Forbes. She is the founder and president of an art, antiques, and interior design company and a blogger for the Huffington Post. She is also the author of the book, The Angel in My Pocket, A Story of Love, Loss, and Life After the Death of Her Six-Year-Old Daughter, Charlotte. Welcome to the show, Suki. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be with you today. It's so great to have you on, and I know you've had quite a journey, and it's a, it's a very interesting book that you've written about your journey and about Charlotte. First of all, let me say how sorry I am to hear about your six-year-old daughter dying, Charlotte, and, you know, and I know for all of our listeners who listen, they have great compassion for you and, and for this journey you've been on. Could you tell us a little bit about Charlotte, how she died, and start us out on your journey? Sure. Charlotte was my middle child. I have three children, and she died 10 years ago in 2004 at the age of six. Her other siblings were three and seven at the time. And we did not know that there was any issue with her. She struggled with high fevers, but it wasn't until after she passed that we found out what exactly had caused those fevers. So she just died very quickly of something called malignant hyperthermia. It happened over a three-hour period. And she was not able to regulate her body's temperature, and she passed very quickly. So it was a complete shock to our family. We'd been on vacation together three days before, laughing and playing on the beach and thinking that life was just perfect. And then, boom, as any bereaved parent or anyone who struggled, a life-changing event, everything just turned in that one moment. It's so unusual when I hear the story of Charlotte, and I've never heard of what she died of. It sounds like it's extremely unusual, and I was just wondering if they ever found out how she got this disease. How well, the, the, the short story is she's one of only about five or, or slightly more index cases in the entire world that has died of this. It's a genetic predisposition to not be able to regulate your body temperatures. A lot of people get very frightened by this because many people have young children who get high fevers and have seizures, and this is very different. This is malignant hyperthermia is usually triggered under general anesthesia. There's a genetic predisposition to it, and so she did actually inherit the gene for this from me, but my presentation of it and many other people's presentation of it is quite different. So part of our journey was that we never really got answers as to why she had this particular nuclear reaction inside of herself because she's just one of so few cases. And so part of our journey was coming to peace with not really knowing what actually took her life. Right. And it sounds like it attacked her system very quickly and she died very quickly. Yes, she did. It would happen over the course of three hours. We did go to the hospital. Again, there's, you know, there's this extraordinary sort of intuition that happens as a parent. And for some reason, even though she had a fever, I knew she needed to go to the hospital and in we went. And I'm glad for that because she got the best possible care. And so one of the things that we as bereaved parents or anyone who's struggled with loss um, often struggle with is the guilt associated with that, the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, and what if I had done this and what if I had done that. And I do believe she 
really got the best possible care, but she just didn't have a chance. That took away some of the challenges that we could have faced when we were trying to fight our way through the aftermath of losing her. You know, um, you do talk about that in the book, and it's very compelling about her being in the hospital. Let's move a little bit forward because you were talking about the genetic predisposition. And in your book, you do talk a lot about the history of your family. You're related to Ralph Waldo Emerson. You have a very prominent family, that kind of thing. You were talking about a genetic. Did you find any gene predisposition to this and looking at your whole family history? There is a gene. I do carry it. I don't know which side of my family it came through. I do know that any of us who needs to go in for surgery, there's actually a blood test that can be done. And so we've we've looked into that. But the family history was very important to me in terms of the story. I think that we all come at our grief in different ways. And when Charlotte first died, I had no idea how to react because I was raised in a family that wasn't very emotionally expressive. And having come from a large family that kept fairly close track of each other, I was able to go through old family letters. And very quickly, I came across some letters that were written by my great, great, great grandfather, which were significant to me, but he is significant to the world because it's Ralph Waldo Emerson. And reading his letters, I quickly found out that he too had lost a child, and he too had lost a child at the age of six, was the same, which was the same age as Charlotte, and his child, who had died at age six, had died of a high fever. Now, that high fever was due to scarlet fever, but still, there was an immediate kinship that I felt with him, and so he became very much someone that I looked to for guidance, because I think we all really struggle with, how am I going to do this? Please give me a roadmap. Tell me when it's going to end or will it end or how will this go? And so I really fell into him both as a family member and as a sort of kindred spirit along the way. And that was very helpful to me in well, moving Well, Suki, you know what I love that you're saying about this for our, our listeners out there? We can look towards people for inspiration that are, are not here. They don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be on this earth. They can be our ancestors that have died before us, but that have gone through great adversity and come mm-hmm. out on the other side. And and I mm-hmm. love that idea of looking towards our ancestors who have gone through a lot and how did you know they get through it and kind of holding on to them as a lifeline until we're in a better place. Yeah, and and it doesn't even have to be I mean, I was very fortunate that I kept track of my ancestors. I do think that so many of us have that experience of just being so filled with questions and going to the library and going to compassionate friends meetings or therapy or just filled with questions and wanting answers and wanting a roadmap. And inspiration comes in many different ways and it's often through people. But I would say that one of the lessons I learned very early on that's a gift in this process, not just in grief but in any struggle, is that it blows your mind wide open because you are desperate to take to get answers. And it allows you to be much more open to things you might not have considered before. And through that, you can find answers from children, answers from relatives, answers from books. For me, I went out on some pretty curious paths spiritually <laughs> that I never would have considered before. Yeah, I th- I think that's kind of interesting because I've done many paths also, right, Heidi? I've, been, I've trained with uh, many people in, in different aspects. But I know you went to a clairvoyant. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because Heidi and I talk about that every so often. In fact, we had a clairvoyant on uh, last week. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. 
interesting. And I actually thought in writing this book, you run through all of the scenarios of what are people going to challenge me on. And for the angel in my pocket, I was very concerned that some people would really take issue with me for going to see a medium to try to get in touch with my daughter. A medium is a clairvoyant, someone who can talk with people on the other side. I have found in every single time that I've been out to talk about it, that there's something about making that safe, that a person who walks into that process with some level of skepticism, but still open-mindedness, every single time I talk about it, I'm approached by people that I am floored will say, I, I went to see a medium, or please give me the contact information, or I have had this powerful experience. You know, I have had communication from and messages from my loved one. Um, so that that's been very powerful. In terms of my personal experience, um, and I want to make sure that I say before I put this out there that there really are no right or wrong answers. It's a process of being open-minded, and this very much worked for me. But I was not raised with a lot of religious architecture, so a large part of my journey was figuring out where Charlotte had gone. Um, I was not willing to just accept she was in heaven. I had to know what heaven was, if it existed, and if I would ever see her again. And along the way, after about six to nine months, somebody suggested I might want to reach out to a medium, someone who can talk to those on the, quote, other side. And I, I went to one and was one of a, an audience of about 500 and she came out and she talked about how she came to have her abilities. And then she took readings or messages. She said, if I start talking about someone who sounds like your loved one, please put up your hand. And I thought, well, this will be interesting. And she went through several people in the audience and was very specific and really drilled down so that she, perhaps she had planted these people in the audience, but she certainly couldn't have been making up what she made up. And then all of a sudden she started to describe my daughter, Charlotte. And the experience of that was so powerful. The the information that she relayed to me, some of which were things that only I knew and Charlotte knew. Uh, the Angel in My Pocket, which is the title of the book, came out of that session, um, and it came out of a conversation that Charlotte and I had had and then came through in that uh, session with her. So for me, it was a real turning point in my grief and gave me a great sense of comfort that life and death are just steps along a continuum, but that some essence of who we are remains after we die. And while it's not an open phone line, I felt very comfortable that there was some essence of Charlotte that still remained and still does in some place and that we would then be together again. And for me, that allowed me to then move forward in this world and in this life and continue to take care of my surviving children and husband with the knowledge that we would be together again and that she was still walking through life with us. Uh, thank you for telling us about that. I know uh, we have many people tell us they maybe have gone once or twice what a healing experience it was for them to feel comfortable where their child was. Talk to us a little bit about things that you do to remember, Charlotte. I know you go to an island all the time, Nashon, is that how you say it? Off of Nantucket. And your family's gone there for years and years. I love your barn with all the strings and family members on it, the side of the barn, right? You've got a genealogy chart. Well, right. It's it's a family tree that takes up four walls. And it, it, it's quite, you know, it's a quirky old New England family, and, and we have our family tree up on the wall. And part of what's powerful about that is the sense of belonging and of community. And Charlotte's name is up there on that wall and will always be there. And that also was a source of comfort for me. We do things to remember Charlotte, she's very much in our house. While there is no 
shrine per se, and I think that that is um, a real risk in families, is that a shrine is created and then the surviving children feel that they're less than. Anyone who has more than one child knows that it's a constant balance of how much attention you give to each child. And we tried very hard not to give our grief for Charlotte more attention than we gave our love and nurturing for our surviving children. Suki, I love that you're saying this, and it's not said enough. Mm -hmm. You know, the surviving children need the same amount of attention. So I love that well, you're putting I, that out there as a brief well, parent. Thank you. A large reason for writing this book was I became very clear really early on that there were only three choices. And I think they're the same three choices that face all of us in tragedy. And that was I could die, I could exist, or I could live. And I wanted to die, and I think many bereaved parents have probably felt this. But that wasn't an option for my belief system, and it wasn't an option for my two surviving children or husband. And so that couldn't happen. And existing, which is a place so many of us get stuck in, bereaved or not, just going through our day-to-day -day life without paying much attention, that seemed like a death sentence, too. And it seemed unfair to the children to take their life away in that, by just sort of going through humdrum. And so really, because of the two surviving children, I decided that the only option was living and honoring Charlotte by living well and carrying her through in those experiences and still being a good parent to the two, to my surviving children. And that decision to live and embrace life is what really defined the entire book. If we really embrace these experiences, life can be better. If we allow it, if we allow ourselves to move through it, and um, I w always have to preface this by saying I'd give all of this newfound knowledge back in a second to have my daughter, but life can be really wonderful after we embrace the lessons that we get from all of that gutting, icky stuff that we spend time wallowing around in. And that's a great gift to the surviving children and to the family and to ourselves and our relationships and the world, if we can work towards that. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Suki. Now tell us, uh, you've got a website, and tell us where we can get your book and all the good things about that. Uh, well, the book has been a bestseller, so it should be readily available, certainly on um, Amazon and at local bookstores. It's called The Angel in My Pocket. I'm very active and interactive on social media platforms under Suki Forbes, S-U-K-E-Y Forbes, and lots of my material, what I work on past and present and future, comes from social media. So I love those interactions. And I'm blogging for the Huffington Post and on my website. So those are all very easy ways to track me down. And Do we just find your website as Suki Forbes? SukiForbes.com. Yep, I've just got a new post up there today, in fact. All right, Suki. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, it was my pleasure. And I'm sorry that we all have this loss in common, but it's been quite a journey. And I've really enjoyed talking with you today. So thank you. Thank you, Suki. And thank you for offering so many people hope after loss. Thank you. Well, Heidi, I love those comments she made. You can die, you can exist, or you can live. And I hope that we're hearing this. And, you know, if you get Suki's book, you'll find that, you know, she had to fake it till she made it. And all the things you're having out there, she talks about the journey you're going through and then how she gets back with her extended family in many ways and the things that she goes through. So it is a good read, and I think we'll enjoy it. Well, the other thing she says, which I love, and it is not an easy journey, and she doesn't minimize it at all, but she says we honor our loved ones by living life fully and carrying them inside of us. And I think that is what she does, and that is what we do. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot for listening to the show today. And Heidi and I want to remind you, 
that we always offer that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own. And God bless. Mm-hmm.